in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol, and returning with us from our Batman episode earlier this week, we have Brandon Hillick to talk about the new iteration of The Dark Knight, the one and only The Batman. This was written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig, Directed by Matt Reeves. Well, folks, this is the movie I think a lot of people have been waiting for. A lot of anticipation, a lot of expectation. DC has not really had the smoothest track record the last several years. There's kind of been factors in some ways that are positive, factors that are somewhat negative, unlike our fans of the MCU, which seems to be all kind of lining up correctly. But a whole new take, a younger Batman, year two, uh, very different from the last Batman we had, Ben Affleck. So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this because I think we have a lot to talk about. But this is your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. If you've not actually seen this film, go watch it and then come back and listen because we're going to talk about major plot points and there's going to be spoilers for sure. So Yeah, well, maybe they're one of those weirdos who doesn't like to watch movies. They just like to listen to reviews. And that's okay. We cater to all. I mean, it's nearly three-hour film. For some people, that's too long. So uh, I'll stick with twenty minutes. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted the yeah, I wanted the four-hour cut. But um, well, you know what? Let's get straight to it because this was uh, you know by the time we recorded this review, it was actually a few weeks after we recorded our actual Batman episode this week. But now that we've all had a chance to see the film, here's the big question. Let's get the big answer. Brandon Hansen, where does he stand? <laughs> I gotta eat my words, man. He was fucking amazing. Like, yeah, he was. He really was. And I think it was. Um, it's been a long time since somebody like Heath Ledger's like turnaround performance really like wowed me. You know that much. I, I, I stand by the fact that I'd never seen Pattinson play something that was super intimidating, but he came up with a different kind of intimidating that we'd never seen with Batman before. This, this slow Dracula type walk that he had around people, and just the very slow turns, the not saying much. It was such a really good. I bought it. I bought it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd be a little eared out by just being in, around him, you know, in his presence and stuff like that. So he uh, he found his he found his own Batman and it fucking worked. It was great uh, all around. So, yeah, uh, I was wrong, <laughs> which is good, though. I think that's a good thing. You, you know, you, again, I think if the movie had done as well as it has uh, with all the aesthetic and the storytelling. But at the end of the day, you were like, you know, it was great, but I wasn't really a fan of Pattinson. I think there would have been a bit of a, eh. but I think a lot of people have been pleasantly surprised. Um, and I agree with you. There, there was something that Reeves, I think, really captured about, because this is year two of Batman, he's still figuring out his path to become what we know as Batman. You know, you look at Ben Affleck is a matured Batman who's been through it all. This is year two. So he's still got uh, some things about him that are definitely like he doesn't pull back when it comes to uh, punches, when it comes to the mission at hand. But there is this kind of iconic like physicality to him that we have actually not seen so far in a Batman movie. And from the very first big scene with him, which is that scene we saw in the trailers with 
all the the gang that looks like they're ex Joker members or something. The the long shot of the the hall and setting up this whole thing to bet, as we all kind of guessed, even with any hero, Spider Man, you know, Batman, Superman, they can't be everywhere at once. They can't watch the entire city. Gotham is huge. Yeah. So you're like, how does Batman save the entire city every night? Well, he doesn't have to because fear. He gets people to think, oh, he's in the shadows. And I thought the way Reeves set up that, although there's a lot of crime in Gotham, you can't save it all. Enough of them kind of backtrack from their crimes because they think he's in the shadows. And then him walking forward, these boot sounds, it's like, oh, crap. And he just had this menacing, like, don't mess with me look. And, I mean, the suit is gorgeous. I mean, I was, I was pumped from his first entrance to the whole thing. If the, if the Nolan verse told, told us that anyone could be Batman behind the cape, uh, this one taught us, Reeves said, Batman can be anywhere, uh, not anyone. Um, but yeah, that was very like, it was interesting, this beginning of this movie, it started one way and I thought, oh, this is going to be like, if, if he's going to be narrating the whole movie, I'm going to be annoyed. But it, 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 it did a good little mix, like, okay, that's a good setup. And then it really set the tone for the rest of that fist, uh, first 15, 20 minutes it really just set the mood for me for the entire film. And it was like, and especially this opening shot where we see the little, um, we see this family, like someone's looking and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be the origin story. I was like, Oh no, this is, we're seeing the creep. This is Riddler looking down. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is nuts. And actually it almost threw me off at the beginning because it's like funny, fancy French sounding music. And I, I thought at first I went, Oh gosh, they're playing the wrong soundtrack. You got the wrong audio. No, it was actually a great start that we're, we're led in right to our, our main villain here, Riddler, played by Paul Dano, who was a fantastic actor in so many things. And he was perfectly cast to be, all right, this is a, a heightened, grounded take on the Riddler, that he is a serial killer who, in the end, we see that really all of his purpose is that he is also trying to be his own version of a vigilante. He's kind of being what Batman is, but in his own dark demented way but that whole the whole first scene i remember that's that shot when the guy you know the mayor's watching the tv and then all of a sudden just like right behind him <laughs> see i see him just I standing see there and it I'm was like, like oh. oh crap geez yeah his eyes are wide it's almost like he's, he's like this motherfucker still doesn't see me <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah he kind of like, took a while and he was like yeah. um hello like yeah. uh but dang with that first kill very brutal and again this movie pg-13 um you know, there was enough not shown, I guess, that they didn't get the rated R mark, but uh, they definitely went very dark with Riddler. And I thought they did a great mix of, you know, the character we know can be very, you know, look at, we talked about Jim Carrey, but a lot of the things in the comics can be very camp with this character because of the question marks. And to have him be this like homemade suit. Um, and this is like, it's an interesting time period. We were told for a while that Batman was supposed to be set in the 90s. This almost feels like because there is an edge of social media, you know, Riddler uses phones a lot and does these like video chats. Well, the newspaper, the newspapers said the dates uh, when his, when Bruce's parents were murdered was 2001. Uh, so this is that 10 years later. So 2010, I guess. Um, or that makes like that. sense. Yeah. Cause yeah. some of the technology that Riddler Wait, used, it did feel like followers. the social media. He had followers. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 his live streams. So yeah, it's very modern uh, with, with the grit of like low level people though. So at the same time, you know, I think uh, I think that was that was cool. I mean, I forgot it was Matt Reeves uh, or, uh, Matt, or Matt was directing it because for a minute I was like, 
is this the guy from Fight Club? Because it had that same vibe, man. Like I, when I posted my thing, I think you might have seen it. I was like, dude, this is like Seven Meets Batman. I was just like, and I it love a very good Fincher kind of feel. Exactly. I'm like, I would, I would have 100 thought it was Fincher that made that this movie. That's how like how great Fincher it sitting was. at home and like, damn it, I should have done that. Fuck, I did. What was it? I missed the boat. <laughs> Going off of that, the the. The way Gotham looks in this, the color palette, a lot of this is set at night. There's not really many day scenes. There is just this really dark, gritty take. And I feel like that's things that we say all the time with like the next Batman movie is going to be more dark and gritty. But this really is like the best Gotham's ever looked. Um, You know, you look at the Dark Knight, it it looks a little too polished at times because it's meant to be like Chicago. This definitely feels like a, uh crime happens all the time there is uh not a lot that can be saved from this Gotham. it felt like the most bleakest gotham where it was like okay and it, it also was perfect that it wasn't his year two because it was like okay why is he even doing this because it's like i never felt a more hopeless movie where like everything was happening and like dude just give up man i kept want to be like just give up and um I just love the fact that this is a Batman who is com- he's completely Batman. We don't see any of the classic, and I was really surprised there was no classic, you know, uh, every, every movie, you know, Bruce Wayne goes to a ball and he acts like an idiot. There was no, like, you know, no Bruce Wayne out in the persona. He was like, I'm all Batman and all, all, all brute. So that was like, that was kind of a refreshing change. And it's a real good uh, move uh, the way after watching that way, how he didn't try to hide being an awkward recluse person. It, it made sense that no one, everyone sees Bruce Wayne once in a blue moon. Oh, great. Let's get a photo of him. But that means everyone forgets about him. So you never put him in Batman would be the same person. It's almost more believable because he's not in people's minds ever. Like Bruce Wayne just, oh, his parents were killed. So he just kind of stays in that tower. No one really sees him. And if he comes out, oh yeah, that guy, we know who that is. He's famous, but nobody Nobody fucking sees him. So I think that that's, and I think Matt said that, you know, he models, uh, you know, this Batman of, of Kurt Cobain, hence the trailer music um, about how like Kurt always only wanted to be about the music and just didn't really want the fame and all he hated it. You know, he was just focused on his, his thing. And he said in the interview, he said, that's, that's what we felt like this Batman should be like, is that like I, Bruce Wayne don't give two shits about, you know what I mean? Don't even care about putting on a persona. Not trying to hide it. He's still just all, you know, like you said, all Batman pretty much the whole time, just without the costume, you know, which I never, never saw that, that dynamic. And I think it worked fantastically and more realistic, uh, truthfully. Yeah, he even says to Alfred at one point, he's like, and if you keep doing this, you're going to have nothing left. And he's like, I don't care. He's like, I, I this, the city is the task, you know, I need, you know, and <laughs> Alfred's like, you know how much that Batmobile takes in gas? That's like, <laughs> yeah. that's like an engine. Like, what are you doing? Gas prices going up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was, yeah, it was like there was no major distinction between the two. And actually, I think in years later, this is something that he would definitely take on because as people get closer to him, uh, he of course needs to hide the fact that he's Batman, but he's so on the case uh in this that I I did feel like there was a great like even him going to the whole funeral scene, which was a one of the fantastic sequences of this movie, he's constantly looking around and even though he's trying to everyone's like oh my gosh bruce wayne he's still trying to be like where's riddler what's going on like it doesn't get two shits about everybody he's just like trying yeah, to i know he's like play. he's like i've already clocked uh five snipers of the, uh, the swat yeah. team you know he's like i'm looking where's the exits so yeah he is in full like batman mode no and and this is something i noticed 
I, 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 in the scene where he's next to the guy and the guy's like complaining about the rich and silver spoon people. And he's like, don't I know you? And they're like, Bruce Wayne. I know it might've seemed like it was supposed to be a throwaway joke, but I'm always, I, I immediately went to um, brain farting. I think it's, is it, I want to say Joe cool. And I know that's not the right name, but the one that in the comics that actually murdered Bruce Wayne. Joe parent, chill. So, and I'm like, wait, he recognized him. Like, wonder if that was, I immediately thought that might've been him. And like, you know, Bruce doesn't remember whatever. Cause he's still trying to figure out why and, and everything he died and everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if we might see that again, or if it was just that moment. Cause he looked back and saw the guy again, like later in the moment. So I was just like, I feel like he was supposed to be a prominent someone, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I that was something. A lot of a lot of twists and turns in there, not just with the main plot of Riddler, which I thought that this is very interesting. We got to get into. Well, a big thing of what Riddler is trying to do is he's trying to uh, reveal information about what happened in the city, and we get this whole plot of why he's doing all these these puzzles and you know this trail that he's leaving Batman, which leads him to meet some other fantastic characters along the way. Of course, we get Zoe Kravitz coming here as. Uh, this is Selena Kyle really starting to be Catwoman. This is kind of like an origin story for her. Uh, Colin Farrell, of course, unrecognizable, oh. amazing as the Penguin, which we'll get into. But uh, a lot of this story of him trying to, uh, you know, he's trying to reveal throughout this film to Batman the truth about Thomas Wayne. And so I do think a, part, a thing you bring up, Brandon, is that Bruce is left at the end of this film still not 100% sure of who actually killed his parents. You know, Alfred's telling him one thing, Falcone telling him one thing. So I think he's left with a couple different versions. And maybe the point is he'll never actually find out the whole truth of who did it. Um, but that is a possible thing. And I think Reeves is an incredibly passionate Batman fan. So I think maybe there was a lot of Easter eggs put into this film without making it like, oh, this is a definite setup for part two. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we we don't really have the Batman origin story in this, which is great because we've been told it a gazillion times. We get why he becomes Batman. We're just seeing him year two get into it. And Riddler being really this first kind of major, at least from understanding first major like iconic villain he's facing you know not just like these mob guys thugs and games you know at least until we get to the end of this film but man speaking about penguin this is the first time i really get like a true iceberg lounge and it's like huge um i always like they go to the door and i'm like this club is ginormous like this is not at all like the gotham games um the arkham <laughs> games but uh colin farrell man penguin in this is fantastic he's like a fat robert de niro man like, like 100%, just kept reminding me of robert de niro like in a comedic role it's so good the makeup was so good and he's one that is featured enough in this film that it's not he's not a full-on full-on villain mode yet he's still kind of a little la he's like a lackey he hasn't really like risen to that level which i thought was really good you know and spoiler alert as well you know we got the greenlit for the penguin series is going to be his origin kind of story where it's going to be very scarface which i'm excited about that especially if it's going to be like a dark comedy because he's a funny character you know what i mean like it could be i think that'll be a great watch almost like peacemaker level kind of things i'm hoping oh for i would here. i would i would hope so um one 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 character um that you know we've seen in all the films and they've just been this um kind of his 
sounding board, we've got always Alfred, but I was really slightly surprised and disappointed. We didn't get a lot of Alfred in this film. I mean, Andy Serkis, you know, I thought he great. He had played a more of a gristled little bit. I mean, you got from, we go from, you know, we, we have had so many great Alfreds, but I mean, his Alfred was a little bit more war torn kind of like he's, you know, the fact that he references, like I taught you how to fight and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting. I, I want to go back for, to see behind the scenes, but yeah, he didn't have a lot. I was kind of, I was slightly disappointed, but maybe it was good because the, the focus was more on Batman. Yeah, I, I, I liked it, except for I'd seen it before. I mean, that's exactly how uh, Alfred was performed in Gotham. Like it was, he was very war here and he's the one that did start training him to fight and all that stuff, which I like that angle. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I, I, it at least solves that, that question of like, where'd you even learn how to fight like this? I mean, I guess you could pay for the best like trainers, which, you know, if you, and that's on side note, if I ever wanted to see a Batman show, I've always thought it would be great if you did like uh, Kane and Kung Fu, where he traveled the world solving problems. You did a TV series of a youthful young Bruce turning into Batman by traveling the world and learning different things, how to escape from hang out with a magician for a month and learn how to escape things and things like that, learning how to deal with pain. There was a short animated, uh, a movie of animated shorts during the Dark Knight run that tapped on one teacher, he learned how to deal with pain so it doesn't hurt him mentally, a disconnect, um, which I always thought would be a very cool show. If, like you wanna have Batman, you just have him going around the world. It's always meeting new people. It's always a new set of people every two episodes or something, which would be awesome. But I, I did like that in Gotham that we finally find out like a source of where you, you learn the fighting materials from and everything like that. I would have loved to got that with Catwoman because, and I'll say this too, going into the action, the action's amazing. And at the, but at the same time, and first of all, the overall grading of the movie is amazing enough to where I don't need, I'm not hurt by any of this to the point where it's, I still think it's an amazing film. But if I had to nitpick things, the action is amazing, but it almost doesn't belong with the film. Like, it's like the action is so overblown. Like his, again, his abilities to take on multiple guys when he has tasers in his gauntlets, totally by that. You know what I mean? Um, Catwoman very tiny i'm not saying a woman can't kick ass at that that small but like there's no background on how she learned how to do that where'd you where'd you become a kung fu master like if you're growing up in the slums um and all that and then the car chase absolutely amazing love that it was all practical that the camera mounting on that on the cars to just get you that feeling but then i remember thinking like couldn't they just pick penguin up later they know it was him like <laughs> do you have to chase him to death until you get him i'm like i I'd love when he was i love when he's uh, tied up and he waddles like a penguin yeah uh, yeah he's like, like wait why you leave me here yeah, and but, all I can uh, think of was there's all this destruction on the freeway now, and who's going to clean that up? Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that he was that away. was the scene. The high, was, well, you're going to name a highway. I wish we weren't. Uh, I wish it had not been given away in the trailers. Um, they could have definitely shown us a shot of him chasing Penguin, but uh, the way it ends. But that was, <laughs> I definitely my, my my full crowd when uh, you know Penguin turned the corner trying to shoot him and he's not there, and it was like then you hear the car just starting to rev up and it's oh. charging up, and it was like. Oh, it's go time. And, and, yeah. and to see, the, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a little later, of like where this is going to evolve in future movies, where that Batmobile could eventually become what we really know as the Batmobile. Because again, even that was very, it, it looked like a Fast and Furious car that he popped on a turbo thing on. Um, but, oh, it was a great sequence. But I agree with you. I think Zoe Kravitz did great in this role. And it's definitely the most romantic we've gone with our Batman and Catwoman and, you know, definitely leaves a lot of room for her to come back for future films. But there was moments where I was like, where did she learn to kind of do all these moves? Because 
Catwoman's always been one that's she's so sleek and can really do some great damage and the nails and the whip. And she does get to do some good amount of whip action in this, but where did she train herself to, you know, obviously her profession as a cat burglar should not automatically mean that she's just very feline. You know, it's like there had to be something there, but yeah, she, uh, I, I liked her when she had a gun all the time and just beating men, like when she has a gun because they don't want to move because she'll shoot them. I'm like, she, I bought all that. I was like, it's almost, it take, took me out when she all of a sudden she knew how to do all the Taekwondo shit. I'm like, well, okay. But it was a very sexy scene when they fought the very first time. I'm like, damn hot. <laughs> like, you know, they got some good chemistry. It was great. And I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the most, definitely one of the most romantic Catwoman bat situations I've ever seen, at least, especially on film. You know, I think that was a, they, they casted really good on that they, one. They, I bought their, uh, their romance more than any other kind of Batman romance and a lot of the other films. It was definitely like, it really kind of set up the tone. And you also think it just adds layers to Pattinson's Batman, his Bruce Wayne, because he's so like the whole move, the whole beginning of the movie, he's just, oh, I'm vengeance, you know, and I'm, I'm, um, I just got to push people away and like, he's isolated himself. Like, and you know, so then I found someone I can connect to. So you really feel like I'm reaching out to this person because um, I see that kindred spirit. And uh, so I, I think it's great. And um, I really liked, um, I, I'm a huge fan of him, Jeffrey Wright. Um, everything has been in, in the last several years, but him, I love his uh, Jim Gordon. He's definitely got a really good. He did great. Yeah. Yeah. He did really very well. And I like their partnership, him and Batman. Cause and... It, this is all very, it's all very shaky still. Well, this, yeah, the police are very against Batman, you know, against oh, when that scene two. when they're trying to take his mask off was so great. And they're like, Hey, hey, hey. it definitely reveals that, you know, even when Bruce has said, you know, over the, you know, the voiceover that I've been doing this for two years, two years and nights and crime has gone up. So, it's probably not made their job any easier the last years of having this vigilante, but I just love and all and this means to primarily a detective story, which is something we've never really had uh, full on with a Batman movie. The scenes were like he would be like at the crime scene and the police kind of going back to you said Brandon about that physicality. Sometimes the police are like the people taking like camera shots would just like turn and run like right into him and he's just yeah. frozen looking at them and they're like uh, it's oh me. god and it was <laughs> like you're thinking like like it would be a little freaky if you're just like oh my job is i'm a csi person and there's a guy dressed as a bat here uh trying to figure out clues and stuff and him and him and gordon i think worked very well together and yeah having to keep that we have to make it look like we're enemies even though we're working together and that escape sequence was like was so riveting and I was shot so well and then to have him do that flight suit and we see that this Batman still doesn't really know yet how to properly fly so then he'll get down probably his first real base jump because it was an emergency situation like he he's like done some testing he's like I'm gonna do some testing in the city eventually but I'm really busy right now and it's like oh, oh we're going <laughs> shit we're going to this Ooh, I instantly was like that's gotta be like a broken knee like come on yeah. dude. I was like I felt that and even he's like oh oh, oh. But um, with Riddler, Paul Dano, I, I did feel there was so much of it is hidden because of this mask he's wearing and very creepy. You know, the, a lot of the long breathing. Uh, and again, it's mostly these shots that are what looks like a FaceTime situation. It wasn't really till the last hour of the film we get Paul Dano proper where he is, uh, the mask is off and he's actually captured and taken to Arkham. Man, you know, and looks at you look at roles like like we we always idolize talk about Heath Ledger. 
kind of taking a role that is iconic for one reason and kind of spinning and making it something new. Just a very dark, demented person who we see, oh, there was a connection to he was part of an orphanage and he didn't have the same experience that Bruce Wayne did, who had lots of money. And I really did think for a second, I was like, oh, crap, he's figured out that Batman's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and even the trailers made it sound. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is the mower. He's like, he keeps saying Bruce, Bruce. But he didn't. He didn't know it was Bruce Wayne. But what a great like revenge story the long you think of like long game of i'll i'll you know take my time figure out this city i want to reveal the things hit my certain crimes well and how you have to actually going i'm excited to go back and watch it because like a proper to take out the batman element it's a proper like you know taking it full circle like uh kaiser soze stuff like the fact that the first weapon he uses to kill the guy reveals the map of his final thing and then when when his final um, thing happens and we get all this flooding, and I'm just like, oh, God, I don't think I've seen Gotham this much destroyed in any film. It did feel like that kind of came out of nowhere. I, I And I, I think it would be one where you have to go back and rewatch and really follow the clues because he's pointing him in one direction, but this is Riddler, who's very smart, always is a step ahead. He wanted to get captured because clearly, hey, Arkham's a nice place. I get my three meals a day. I'm safe there, you know, and... It was like, oh crap! Now we have this flooding. Yeah. Instead, of, uh, instead of what's in the box, what's under the carpet? <laughs> the carpet, yeah. Tucker, and all the all of his followers going up to what is like Madison Square Garden, about to and snipe out these people, oh. and you know, trying to take out this new mayor, uh, which led to a very fantastic, fun action sequence. And I mean, some of the imagery of just him whomping on guys and there was that moment too where he all of a sudden took what looked like either adrenaline or maybe the venom that bane's gonna use one day right uh, to kind of pop back up i mean again you have to think if this is year two and like he's still kind of working out the weapons he has the armor he has what he needs how did he get all this armor like how did he figure out to do this armor that can sustain bullets you know he gets shot takes a shotgun straight to the chest yeah, and then drilling himself to get back up and and knock out a guy. So there was a lot of just like, I just feel like Matt Reeves did it so well in every aspect. This is a great Riddler story, a great detective story, it's a great Batman story. It definitely opens up avenues for the future. One Riddler did not die; he's still safe in Arkham, and we get this whole Joker moment. Yeah, which I couldn't deal without, man. I didn't think that was very well executed. It almost felt like he was really out of place for the movie. Well, the dialogue threw me off there. I, I agree with that. Like, first of all, I don't think we we didn't need that scene. It would have been great for him, like, maybe just talking to someone. And, like, when he said, oh, you know, something about jokes. And I'm like, okay, this is who they're doing. And, like, I wasn't ready for them to do another Joker. I just, I was like, I don't, I don't need that. There's so many. And I, I felt with this movie realized... There's other we can redo horrible, like not horrible. Again, we love Jim Carrey for a reason, but a proper like, you know, version of these villains. You know, he says, I want to do a more grounded Mr. Freeze, you know, things like that. So I was kind of like, you, you're right. You didn't need that because it was kind of like, oh, you're throwing it over the head. Oh, that's Joker. Huh? It's going to be a team up. You know, like, OK, I don't need this. He had a deleted scene that they're supposedly going to, you know, a lot of times now, Movies will post a deleted scene on YouTube, you know, a couple months after the movie comes out. There was supposed to be a scene where he, where Batman was going to go talk to whoever this Joker like figure is 
uh, kind of via Sans of the Lambs to go talk to a, a killer to get their perspective on how to, you know, track down Riddler, who is a killer. And I do think that maybe cutting that scene out made it feel like, why do we have this random one Joker scene in this film? Like, it almost seemed out of place. It almost seemed it would have been better fit as like a post credit scene, as opposed to we had to have this in the cut of the film. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe when we see that scene, some of it will make more sense. Clearly, Matt Reeves had a vision of that character for future movies. But he's even said, like, don't expect Joker to automatically be popping up in the second film. You know, it's something that maybe I do think this is a series that feels like whereas all of our Batman movies have had at most two to three villains. I can see a part three of this version having multiple villains trying to take over Gotham. You have Batman. Maybe we'll get Robin in here. Catwoman coming back. You know, we're going to see probably the biggest team up Batman movie down the line, which I think Matt Reeves can definitely handle. But even I agree as much as I was like, you know, we've never had Joker and Riddler in the same movie. I was like, this feels too much because we've had Joker so many times. There's such a thin line between the Riddler and the Joker. They're very, they're so close to being similar and they're both geniuses, you know, in their own right. All the villains, they're obviously the brain brains of every, every villain, the, uh, biggest uh mind fucks for batman to ever hit up and and if, and i i wasn't the biggest fan of the design of the riddler in this one i wasn't a big fan of the outfit and the look i'm not sure i say that only 50 percent just because i don't know what would fit there but it just it didn't not having more of a, a riddler type look to him still made me feel like i was watching a joker storyline like it has been done before where jokers inspired a bunch of people to dress up like clowns which we've we've seen i think they even did did in the joker movie i know that they did it in gotham it's in the comics like people just tried to look like him and go do stuff that he's asked them to do um and so the riddler doing that i was like okay well i mean you could when i watch the movie and if i know like I, this easily could have been joker or riddler there's not that much of a distinction that's the times that i'm not super happy with it and i feel like this could have been a joker storyline very simply very easily other than the riddles that he put down you know what i mean because uh so and that's and and again that's how I grade my Batman movies. That the villains and Batman are both amazing. That's why Batman Returns is my favorite, just because all all three were just beautiful, like perfect in my opinion. And like the the Nolan trilogy, Batman wasn't nearly as cool as Joker. You know what I mean? Like so that that's why it ranks second after that. But this one, in my Batman is one of the best Batman. You know what I mean? I just don't. I don't. I think we lost a. Li- a we needed a little bit more of a Riddler element to him. Just a little bit more, whether it's the look or just a, a little bit besides him just being crazy. Um, I did like that yeah. there was a little bit. I don't know if they meant to throw it back on purpose, but I did like the Riddler's little obsession. It was with Batman, obviously. Um, but if you remember, Jim Carrey had an obsession with Bruce. Like you know yeah. that, that he has that like fixation of wanting to be just as cool. And, and all that. So I did like uh, that tip of the hat to it. So then when they gave me the Joker on top of it, I was like, you're just confirming that there's not much of a difference here. <laughs> like, you know, it just- Yeah, I wonder, I wonder a lot can be, a lot will be determined of what exactly they do in the future. And I feel like, like we, we might get a cameo scene in the second film uh, with these characters, but you know, yes, Matt Reeves is, is heavily teased. He wants to do a more gridded, rounded version of Mr. Freeze. The Court of Owls has become a huge subject lately because the new... That would be cool to see finally on screen. So The new, the new Gotham Knights game is going to feature them. And being that a lot of this movie was talking about the, the secret kind of organizations that have 
made Gotham what it is, especially in a not so good light. Court of Owls would be perfect, but maybe in the future we'll get Paul Dano being a little bit more of oh there he is in the bowler hat with the cane you know and you're right you're right this is and they could they could do it in a way where it's not it's not going to be the the unitard uh spandex (laughs) that jim carrey wore but (laughs) there could be maybe now he's not going to go the whole creepy this is the the suit i went to home depot and and made and you know uh maybe it'll go a little more to that light but this is definitely a batman that i feel they they do try to blend you know, because it can go so fantastical with some of the villains. Yeah, it's like the comic book with realistic. He feels like Reeves has a good idea. I want to, I want to keep it grounded in reality as much as possible, while still maybe giving a flair to it in the future. And I think also, I think it was you, Taylor, had told me about the whole. And maybe you've read this comic as well, Brandon. The flooding of Gotham easily leads to a no man's land situation for a future film, where we would have different sanctions of the city run by villains. Penguin's obviously going to step up to become a big power play so and it would be a crazy good imagine if we got a second movie where it's like you see all of the villains like even if it's not like a shit ton of screen time but you get to meet them all in one one second movie you and know just see I mean? just see how and see even like it could be a couple scenes where they're interacting juggling all of these characters i thought reeves did a good job i mean you've got falcone you've got um uh, Penguin and Catwoman, and just but it all felt really good because it didn't seem like it was too much. Another thing I want to bring up, I thought no other, I don't think any other live action Batman has done this. The fact that you know this really hit home, and this is a theme we do a lot, you know, the sins of the father, uh, with the fact that Thomas Wayne was just as corruptible, or you know, not necessarily to that uh, purposefully, but the fact that he was behind a lot of bad stuff and he teamed up with Falcone and stuff. I thought that was like, Ooh, that's an interesting yeah. twist. Which I mean, it kind of shows that not everyone has their, you know, we've always kind of had this goody two shoe uh, vibe of the Waynes that they were the, the best people on the planet. Uh, which is why since they're gunned down in, in his youth, Bruce then becomes this, you know, symbol of, of vengeance and everything, but kind of just show that there's a little black and white to everyone. Uh, you know, you would, you would honestly look at someone like Selena Kyle who comes from the slums, whose father is, this mob boss and maybe instantly never give her a second chance, but really in the end, she's just as uh, much a hero as Batman is. And I think we'll come into play later where, even though she's a thief, she, you know, in the end is a, is a solid friend. So, but that was interesting, you know, and again, just Edward being, he was part of the same orphanage and, you know, the rats would chew our fingers and babies would die in the winter. And I, I didn't have a billionaire house like Bruce Wayne did. Yeah. What a creep. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up that I think also was fantastic in this and is uh, it's another palette of the whole movie and especially the character of Batman. Michael G. Kino's score in this combined with a little bit of that Nirvana magic just really was perfect. I think it had a great, uh, you know, there's a great theme for Batman in this. And it's one that, yes, with like most Batman movies is used over and over again, but in the right way. In this film, I think it never felt like it was it's not ever done. Overdone, yeah. it You're was great. Yeah. yeah, and I loved. I, I if you guys noticed, but there was such a uh, um, Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman t- theme music whenever she came on too. They used the very like I don't know what the instrument is, but it's it was a very it's a very whiny long. I don't know if it's a the violin or something, but it gives that eerie like. If if you listen to it next time you see it again, listen to the music when you see Catwoman come on the screen because it's very reminiscent of Michelle Pfeiffer's 
eerie, same exact type of thing. Definitely same instrument, not the same, you know, uh, tunes, but like definitely same instrument to pay a little homage. And it, it always gave that scratchy, like ear, eerie type vibe, which I always loved with uh, Danny Elfman's score uh, that he did. So I thought that was great that that was in there. And the last thing I want to bring up before we get to our actual ratings of this is, uh, yes, we've talked about, we have the Penguin spinoff series, but we're also getting a first Arkham Asylum series. So this was originally going to be about the Gotham police force, but now that's been scrapped and has evolved into, we're going to get an Arkham Asylum series, which could be a way in which we do have maybe an introduction of how uh, that Joker guy gets in there, if that is indeed the Joker uh, Riddler, but we could have anyone from the Rose Gallery pop up. Uh, maybe not famous, famous ones, but you know, there's a lot that uh, could pop up in that series. And that's been such a integral part of, especially if you play the games or know the comics, that have not really been that explored in any of the films uh, heavily. There's been some that feature Arkham Asylum, but we don't really get a lot about it. I think it'd be cool to explore more about the Arkham's are another big part, just as the Wayne's are of Gotham and to see how that could tie in to future films. Yeah. And they did a good job of, of layering that kind of like, Oh, um, so yeah, there's, there's so many, uh, endless possibilities, but, uh, definitely, you know, this film is doing very well. It's made very good money. And I think, uh, from the critical praise to especially the fan praise, we will see a sequel to the Batman not sure exactly when we're going to get it. Uh, one of the execs said something probably like before 2027. Good God, I hope it's way before that, uh, especially now that sequels can be pumped out a little quicker. But again, we do want that quality. This movie did take a little while to come together. I think Matt Reeves said he started writing the first draft in like 2017. So even with some COVID stuff, it took about five years. So hopefully part two won't take that long, but I definitely want to see more from Matt Reeves' vision of Gotham and this Batman, the cast, the music, the way it looked, it was great. And I can't wait for more. So on a scale of one to 10, for me, I'm going to give this a solid nine out of 10. It just like floored me. It was so entertaining. It made me want more. And I think for a first take and something we have not really seen with some elements that Batman's not done in the past, this just was like a knock it out of the park for me. Yeah, I'm going to go with the nine out of the 10 for the reasons you said, but I'm also going to say just because it could have been shaved down the runtime a little bit. It was a little ambitious to have through, you know, over three hours. Um, so I think honestly, in some parts they could have uh, cut out a little bit. Um, but other than that, yeah, I was really just blown away and I can't wait to actually go back and see it again. I'm going to agree nine for sure on that one too. I'm not a 10 just because of the things I mentioned earlier that, that bothered me. But again, it's not enough for me to be like, this wasn't a bad, this wasn't awesome, like a great film. And I did realize uh, that we haven't had a, I mean, well, I, I, was, I don't want to say we haven't had a bad Batman film. I forgot about the, uh, the, the bat nipples. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's great and refreshing to have another one uh, after the Nolan trilogy, which I don't know if that was going to ever happen again, but, uh, but yeah, so nine out of 10 for sure. Yeah. I think this is the first standalone Batman film since rises, which came out in 2015, 2003. right? I think it was no 2013. Yeah. 13. That's what it was. Yeah. So I mean, it's been almost a decade since our last standalone film, since we had the Alphalic era. So I think there's a high promise ahead and something we actually have to retract uh, for those of you who listened to our Batman episode this week. Uh, we just had a whole DC shakeup. Uh, so actually the Flash movie has now been pushed to June of 2023. So 
uh, as much as we were looking forward to the next thing we would see of Batman on the big screen would have been Keaton. Um, there is still promise of if the Batgirl movie is still due to come out this year, which I think is going to be an HBO Max only release, uh, which Keaton is supposed to be even that as Bruce Wayne slash Batman as well. But the actual Batman thing that we're looking forward to with the Flash, now we have to wait till next year. But maybe for the best to kind of keep it separate, give Matt Reeves his whole kind of year to have people enjoy this Batman. But uh, I think it's a great start and DC... You know, we're always kind of joking that they're they're trying to capture that lightning in a bottle that Marvel has done. But I think being this is a separate entity from the DCEU, it just shows that they can do multiple movies. And as long as it's good quality, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to come see it. Just don't don't be in a hurry, man. Dude, give us a Batman movie. That Superman movie was great. I actually liked him as Superman. I thought The Man of Steel was a fantastic film. First time I ever liked Superman. And imagine those two, that this Batman and that Superman having their own movies and we get them together as a Justice League movie, then we'd be all in because we know we'd workshop all these script people and actually have good writers, good directors doing, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus, yeah, but yeah. it would have been great. It would have, could have, would have. So we'll have to wait and see, but you know what? Thank you, Brandon, for coming on today to review the Batman with us. Uh, I think all three of us just really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, we'll see what the future holds for our Cape Crusader. But until next time, you can continue to watch The Batman in theaters, and it'll start streaming on HBO Max at the tail end of April. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast, or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.